remain standing. Open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, Old Testament. I got a lot to tell you and little time to do it in. Brother Mike told me, he said, Preacher, back in the old days, you didn't seem to care. You'd preach way up till 9, 10 o'clock if you had to. And I said, way to go, Mike. That's what I'm doing. He inspired me. He inspired me. I just want you to know that. First, King, First Kings. First Kings chapter number 21, starting in verse number 1. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently, but we will read this together. First Kings chapter number 21, starting in verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, excuse me, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake to Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it uh, for a garden of herbs, because it is near to my house. And I will give thee for it better, uh, a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of, the, uh, of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, uh, The Lord forbid it that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because the word of uh, which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give... Now, he's talking to his wife. Uh, listen to me, fellas. He, you sound like some people I know. He had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay him down upon his bed and turned away his face, uh, and he would need no bread. Now he's pouting. He turned his face to the wall. He went in. He complained to whoever was going to listen. He went in his bedroom, laid down his bed, turned his face to the wall, and said, I'm not eating tonight. Pitiful. Pitiful. Verse 5. Thank the Lord he's got an overbearing wife. Wonderful. But Jezebel, his wife, honey, make sure you sign that part. <clears throat> but Jezebel, his wife, now she's back there going, she wasn't such a bad person. <laughs> and Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? She caught right on. He wanted her to. took two nose dry rubbers and it's not working. Uh, watch what he says here. And then he said in verse number six, and he said unto her, because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite and said unto him, give me thy vineyard for money, else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give to he, he just can't believe somebody turned him down. Now he's really upset about the whole thing. Cry baby. But his wife, bless her heart, she's going to get things done. That's all you need is a strong-willed woman when the husband acts like the woman and the woman acts like the man. I'm preaching now, brother. What you, if you think this is something, you just hang on there. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Honey, I'll take care of things. Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? What is wrong with you? Aren't you the king? That's what she said. Aren't you the king? Uh, arise, eat bread. And don't worry about it, honey. Go ahead and have a meal. I will give the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. I'll take care of it for you, sweetheart. It's a one wicked woman right here. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name. 
He didn't know how to write a letter. She wrote a letter and set Naboth up. Watch what happens here. She wrote a letter, Ahab's name, and sealed it with his ring and sent the letter into the elders and the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote the letter saying, proclaim a fast. Now she's telling the leaders of that town what to do. Now she's telling the men there what to do. You ever notice when a woman starts telling other people what to do, she just doesn't know how to stop. This is when men don't amen for fear that it won't stop when they get home. And she wrote the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth, uh, Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, these are not good, sons of the devil, before him, and, uh, and bear witness against him saying, Thou didst blaspheme God. That's a lie, did not. Jezebel said, Honey, I know how to, I know how to get this land. You, you leave it up to me. Give me a ring. She put that seal on there, sent it to the nobles, said, this is what you're going to do. And they, they saluted, bowed down to her, and did the same thing. Thou didst blaspheme God, he did not. Then carried him, then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And she got this whole thing set up. And the men of the city, even the elders and the nobles who were the inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. Excuse me. They proclaimed a fast, set Naboth on high among the people, set him up there where everybody can see him, and they were going to let him have it, just like Jezebel said to do. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and set before him. The men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. And they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and he is dead. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help me, please, to help your people. Uh, Lord, got a lot on my mind. I apologize for that. So I'm asking you to please help me to concentrate on what ought to be said, needs to be said. Help the dear people tonight, Father. I love you and ask for your help. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Be seated. We in America fancy ourselves as being individualists. We do. The fact of the matter is we're not. We're conformists. We tend to conform eventually with things that go along. We, we, we give in to the pressure. We conform. We're educated. And they keep telling us, be individual, be individual, when the fact of the matter is we are conforming to what the rest of the world does. For example, hairstyles, honestly, bright pink, bright orange, now, I hate to say this, and this doesn't sound very pastoral, but I was walking through Kroger the other day. I think I told you this. And it just it just caught me. And uh, there's this woman here. You know how they said, sir, who, who's your provider for your service at home? I, I don't like talking to people like that. And uh, so I was already irritated. And so I'm walking through there, and she's got bright pink hair. And I bet she just really thought she was something. And by the way, that's what you're supposed to tell her. Love your hair. I don't have to be willing people. I walked by and I said, ma'am, I'm not interested. And by that way, you look stupid with your hair like that. Now, what would you say? Oh, I love your hair. That's what you said. You said, I wouldn't say nothing. That's probably what I should have done, but I didn't do that. Bright blue hair. I thought only old grandmas used to do that. You remember when grandmas used to do that? When I was a little kid, I thought, I wonder what she's doing that for. Maybe that was just the color her hair came out when she got older. 
But now people are doing it on purpose. And now you think this, oh, everybody's doing it with conforming. Now we have lots of people with orange hair and green hair and blue hair and or multicolored hair. And now we have Christians, and then they walk into church, and we think about my hair. You're supposed to say, that is nice. I love what you've done to your hair. Please don't ask me. Abortion used to be called murder. There was a day when, they, and they used this against people to make them feel bad, where they used to have to go to a foreign place to a doctor that was hid in a corner somewhere and perform an abortion. That made us feel so guilty that we decided to go ahead. <coughs> Excuse me, go ahead and pass everything, but it used to be called murder. murder. Now it's the right to choose. Why is it you've got a right over your body to choose, but I got to put on a seatbelt? I have, I have metal, I have metal all around me, and I've got great big balloons they call airbags that did, it will almost break your neck to save your life. I got all this going on, but if I don't wear a seatbelt with all that metal around me and all these airbags going off, they're going to find me. And yet a woman says, I have a right to kill a baby inside of me. Like, yeah, you're right, you're right. First of all, ma'am, if you did and now you know better, God bless your heart. I'm glad you figured that out. Not mad at you at all. Not mad at you at all. A lot of people were talked into things they didn't realize until they got saved. How about homosexuality? Preacher. Okay, I, I shouldn't use that word. Sodomite. By the way, homosexuality is not in the Bible. Sodomite is. There was a day when there was a reason they were in the closet. And now we're very proud we come out of the closet. It used to be an abomination. It used to be sin. It used to be horrible. Now it's just two people that are a little different that love each other. I want to know how their numbers keep growing if they're not pushing this on anybody because they can't have children. Oh, I'm sorry, they can adopt. This is what you're staring at me like you can't believe I'm saying this. Look at me, Baptist people. We didn't used to be that way. Now, if you prefer the modern-day Baptist people, I cannot help you with that because I ain't one of them. How about two people just living together? Well, you know, I don't want to get a divorce, so you're going to live in adultery and fornication because you don't want to get a divorce. What has happened to us? And so what we decided to do is make the best out of a live-in situation. Everybody, I think that's really smart. I think it's really stupid. I think it's really sinful. I think it's really wrong. And I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. How's that? And I'll just wait for you to run. You're looking at me like you're shocked. Is he allowed to say that? I just did. We are not individuals like we think we are, but conformists. And the pressure everywhere that we go has formed us to be that way. We're giving in. More and more Christians are giving in to the pressure of the world all the time. Naboth had a vineyard. He had a vineyard and right up next to the king's palace. This is our story that we're at right now. Ahab did not want it because he wanted another part of a vineyard. He wanted to take a good vineyard and turn it into a herb garden. I think it might be a little light in his sandals. I don't know. Because he was going to turn it into a herb garden. Ahab didn't need it. It just happened to be in the way. 
He had all the rest of the land, and this one guy's was right there, and it's just irritating him. So he thought he came up with a good plan. Tell you what I'll do. I'll either trade you for it and give you something even better, or I'll buy it outright for whatever it's worth. I'll buy that. It was just near to his stuff, so he came up with this idea. Let's trade or I'll buy it from you. That sounds like a good idea, and if we're not careful, we think Naboth is just rebellious towards the king and doesn't want to go along with the program. One piece of land is as good as another, yes? Be careful, be careful. He was even willing to give him money or a better piece of land. Everything has a price, right? Everything has a price to it, just sell it. What's the big deal? This is what the normal person would say. Ahab and Jezebel were ungodly believers. I mean evil people. Perhaps others had sold out to them, so why won't this guy do that? Those kinds of people irritate people that want change. When you have when you have standards, when you have morals, when you have when you have uh, uh, things that you're just not going to give into, it just irritates the world. Because even though they preach and teach individuality, be yourself, they want everybody to be the same. And when all of a sudden you decide to go against the status quo, it just eats their lunch. They just really get all upset about it and would really like to stone you to death. Look at verse number six, chapter twenty-one, verse number chapter twenty-one, verse number six. And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and, he said unto, and I said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give. Now this is, this is what he said. So I got this all-powerful king talking to this farmer who simply said, I, I can't do that. What? I offered you money. You said no. I told you I'd give you a better land. You said no. What is your hang-up? What is your big deal? So this is what's going on. He wasn't just being rebellious. In reality, it wasn't his property. In reality, it wasn't Naboth's property. That's why you can't sell land that doesn't really belong to you. Look what it says in verse number, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, in verse number three. Verse number three of that same chapter. And Naboth said unto Ahab, Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. That's not all. You don't have time to turn. But in Leviticus 25, 23, the land shall not be sold. This is God giving Moses and the children of Israel instructions about the land. The land shall not be sold forever. For the land is mine. This is God talking. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. That's my land. I'm letting you live there. So Naboth really didn't have the right to sell something that wasn't his. He didn't have the right to trade it because it wasn't his. You and I don't have that right. So if Naboth was true to God's word, the only way that Ahab could ever get that land is if the owner was dead and out of the way. Light bulb. Jezebel says, I got an idea. He won't sell it. The guy just will not get it. He's a fundamental Baptist. He just will not change. So I got an idea. Naboth refused to conform, to compromise, to change. But the world doesn't like people that won't change. They tell you, oh, be yourself. At the same time, they're going, why do you keep doing that? Nobody else does. So they want you to conform to what they're doing. People don't like people who don't go along with their program. We want people to understand our philosophy, people in the world, their philosophy, and if you don't, something's wrong with you. So Jezebel comes up with this plan. Of course, we just read that. She sets him all up, writes letters, and said, here's what I want, you other men, and you better listen to me because I'm the queen. She's a wicked woman. 
wicked, filthy woman. Evil as all get out. And so she sets him up, lies about him, probably gave money to two guys and said, here's what I want you to do. They said, okie dokie, sir. And so they went out there and they lied. And they said he blasphemed God and the king. Neither one of those were true. The threat itself caused people to do things they probably wouldn't normally do. They took Naboth outside and they stoned him to death. In verse 13, the latter part, then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Today's Christians, unlike Naboth, have been handed from generation to generation past an inheritance which belongs to God Almighty. And yet we have traded or sold many of the precious things to fit into the world and make people like us and not rock the boat and compromise. They've caused us to compromise and conform to the things of the world. It's happening more and more all the time to Christians. And because of this, local churches and Christian people have lost their individual status as belonging to the family of God and not fitting in the world. Folks, when's the last time the world did anything good for you anyway? That they didn't want something in return sooner or later and they knew you couldn't provide it, but you owe them. So this is what's going on. We are quickly becoming like all other people. decision. You ready? I will not give up my vineyard. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to talk about me tonight, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. That which belongs to God is God's. It has been handed down to me from generations till I got to this place right now. I refuse to sell it. I refuse to trade it. I refuse to compromise, and I refuse to conform to it. I still believe people ought to come to church with a suit on. We have a visitor here that showed up with a tie and a suit on. Now, why is it he does that? Never been here before, and some of us are, ah, I just can't stand this anymore. Look, if you'd lose some weight or buy a shirt that actually fits you, you don't have to do that. Amen. Anything to compromise. In our society, compromise and conformity are praised. Individuality, though it's taught, is looked down upon, especially when it comes to Christianity. It's time that real Christians begin to stand up to the... I want to show you a verse. This is a great verse. Go to Psalm 119. And whether this fits or not, I want you to look at it. Psalm 119, 126. You there? Watch this. Watch this very carefully. This, this, is, great. this is a great verse right here. Psalm 119, 126. Watch. It is time for, listen to me, quiet, pay attention. Listen to me. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. And he tells you why, for or because they have made void thy law. That's a good reason to ask God to step in and start working in it. Amen. I, I don't need another reason. Amen. Even most Christians have decided this book is antiquated. It's old-fashioned. We, why do we have to do this? There are better ways to go about it. I will not give up my vineyard. It's about time some quit running from the enemy and with the enemy and start standing and fighting for what's right. All you got to do to fight back is stand and quit changing. Just stand and quit changing. That will irritate the world to no end. But we compromise that. God has delivered us, and if we, and we need to die for it if we have to. There was a guy that... Bible, I think his name, I think you pronounce it Shammah, S-H-A-M-M-A-H. I'm not 
sure how to pronounce that. The Philistines would come down out of the mountains. They'd let all of Israel do all the work. And as soon as the crops begin to grow, they'd come down, threaten them, chase them away, take their crops, and go back up to the mountain again. Well, one day things were going pretty good. God began to bless. And this one piece of land was evidently bringing forth pretty good. And uh, sure enough, here come the Philistines. Philistines come down the mountain hooping and hollering, screaming and yelling and uh, acting like, you know, charismatics and stuff. And they started coming down there and everybody ran away. Except one guy. And the Bible said he stood in the midst of his land and fought. You said, did he die? No, he won. He kept the land. He kept the food. And I wonder how people talked about him. Man, you sure are lucky. He wasn't lucky. God gave him that land. That land belonged to God, and he was going to stand there. And the Bible says this, Shema stood in the midst of the ground and, defi- and, and defended it, and the Lord brought a... You know what? God is just waiting for somebody to take a stand. Just, just quit your changing. Just take your stand and quit changing every time you turn around. What happened to working on Sunday? When did we start doing that? When did it happen that we quit dressing up to come to church? When did that happen? When the rest of the world said it wasn't necessary anymore. I like dressing up. My wife said, I'm not sure what she means by this. She goes, when you're dressed up, you look a lot better. What's that mean? When I'm not, what, I'm ugly? What's going on with that? Listen, you might have to stand or fight alone. That's true. You may have to. But don't give up your vineyard. Just don't do it. God gave that to you. It belongs to him. God's people have given in so much to the world's demands to get them to like us. And they don't like you. We are trying our best to win them over with a grin and being nice people. And it's not working. Now there's no longer any difference between them and us. They can actually sit in our church service and, and, and live the way they want to and feel right at home. The Bible said the wicked and the ungodly should not be able to stand in the congregation of the righteous. Do you know why? That power and truth should drive them right out of here. We want sinners a part of God's family. It doesn't work that way. Psalm 120, verse number 7. I am for peace. David said this. But when I speak, it's for war. There are some things worth fighting and dying over. There are some things we have no right to trade or sell. There are some things we have no right to compromise or conform to. We have no right to do that. Yet we accept that as being our right to do that. I will not give up my vineyard. Number one, what will I not give up? You see this book right here? This is not just a Bible, though it is the only Bible. We classify that by calling it the King James Bible. It is not a version of the Bible. It is a Bible. Everything else are comic books, Mickey Mouse, short commentaries at best, but they are not the Word of God. Over 50 years ago, a young preacher on a Thursday night was in a, in a, in, out there at uh, uh, Hayden Run Baptist Church yelling and screaming, kind of like I'm doing tonight, but he never stopped. Hey, and I'll tell you something else. Ah, what God wants. He's a hack preacher, and that's the kind of people I was saved under. And uh, he's just going on and going on and going on, and he was preaching from the King James Bible. And great conviction fell upon me from him preaching this Bible. He wasn't preaching out of an NIV. He's preaching out of a King James Bible. My brother, who took me to church that night, was carrying a King James Bible. Over 400 years ago, over 400 years ago, the King James Bible has, has, has 
been passed down from generation to generation till one day George Bell went into a church and somebody handed me, you won't believe what he handed me, this is the problem. Quit handing people versions of the Bible, commentaries of the Bible. Quit making excuses. People come here and they go, Preacher, this kind of Bible I have, is this a good one? I go, no, it's not a good one at all. They just spent $482 on it. That's ah, not a Bible at all. Oh, okay. And so they go and they get a real Bible, a real Bible, a real King James Bible. I was saved through the words that's in this book right here. I was taught from it. I was fed from it. I grew by it. It comforts me. It leads me. It protects me. It educate. It educated me. This book is an education book. Not just about the things of God. It'll help you speak English better. Some of you ought to read it a lot. It'll tell you about punctuation. It'll tell you about math, about history. This one book here is everything you need. When I first got saved, my brother said, all you need is a King James Bible, a dictionary, and a strong concordance, and you have the foundation of a library. A book will do you no good if you don't use it. It gives me wisdom. It gives me power. It gives me knowledge. It helps me to understand. The world says compromise. The world says to conform. The world says get along. The world says trade it. The world says sell it. I cannot. It is not mine. I have no right to sell something cheap and call it the word of God. I have no right to take the word of God and set it aside and say this fake is just as good. It's not just as good. You have a King James Bible. How do I know that? In Psalm 12, verse number 6 and 7, thy words, O Lord, are pure words. Amen. Watch what he said. He didn't say thy word because now they'll tell you it has the basic same meaning. My Bible says here the words, plural, of the Lord are pure words. Is purified seven times as uh, tried uh, as silver tried in the furnace, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. I'm glad that night I got saved. God kept his word and purified that word until George Bell came along 50 years ago and said, here, buddy, here's what you need. This is the one that set you free. This is the one that told you the truth, whether you wanted to hear it or not. This is the one that liberated your soul. This is the one that told you about me when you didn't know anything about me. The King James Bible, I am not going to, look, I don't care what books you read. I don't care who you listen to. I'm not going to change on that point. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in, it's settled, it's settled in heaven. Go on and trade the precious, perfect, pure word of God that he preserved and gave to you for a more easy read Bible, for a picture Bible, for a precious moments Bible. Next thing you know, you're going to be getting a woke Bible. The new King James, it's, it's, it sounds like it's almost the same, except it's a new one. It's not. There are over 30,000 words changed or pulled out from the King James Bible in the new King James. The devil knew exactly what he was doing because it's very, very deceiving. The national, the, the, the NASV, the NIV, if you happen to have the HIV, uh, they're corrupt versions, folks. That's, that's, that's very deadly. The condensed version. Now they're going to come out with a woman's version. And then they're going to come out with a woke boy. You can't use any pronouns to let people know he, she. No, you can't do that. That's offensive. Look, 
I'm sure the way I preach is offensive enough. I do not need to start pulling out he, she, and them. When the Bible says, and he, many times talking about mankind overall. You too, ma'am. When the Bible used the word he or them, he's talking about you too, ma'am. He doesn't need to point you out and go, and she too. The females too. God doesn't have to do that. God is not a female. Can I just throw that in there right now? You say, oh, preacher, this one's very popular. Everybody's buying and using this one. No, they're not. I'm not. Don't you have any pride in that? Go ahead and just look at people and smile and go like, no, they're not. Yes, they are. Everybody's using the NIV, the K-E-Y, the M-O-U-S-E. No, they're not. I'm not. You some Mickey Mouse version of the Bible, I'm not going to do it. I will not give up my vineyard. Number two, I'll not give up my local church. Let's hold hands. Where do you get that from? For the sake of peace and bringing all of God's people together, let's set our doctrinal differences aside. I can't do that. Oh, you're one of those that just cause trouble, aren't you? That's that's yeah. You're one of those kinds of preachers. No, I'm just a preacher. I have no right to compromise the word of God. And by the way, neither do you. On your job or with your family, you have no right to come. Look, we keep trying our best to give in the world, make them like us, and the only thing that's happening, we're becoming more like them. They're not becoming more like us. Why can't all churches lay their titles aside and let's just all be Christians? Doesn't that sound good? I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. Wouldn't you like to be a Christian too? It doesn't work that way. We're all going to the same place. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to the church house to have church and be right with God. Why, I listen to eight or ten hours of programs on TBN and worship with them. And I am a part of the living church. Well, that's going to be a real shocker to God. Because he and Paul and the apostles established local New Testament churches. I have a question for you. Why is it our brothers and sisters in the Middle East will give their lives, I mean literally their blood and their lives, for this book and being able to gather together as a church? Why don't they just stay and keep their mouth shut and say, we're still a part of the overall church? Why, why put yourself out there like that? Because that's what God told them to do. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but the much more as you see that day approaching. Folks, we're not supposed to go to church less. We're supposed to go to church more. But we have allowed the world to talk us into, it's not that big a deal. I know what, we'll watch it live stream. If it weren't for some of our people who can't make it to church, I'd get rid of all of that stuff. I don't want people sitting home going, we'll just watch it live stream. And then we'll switch to the football game, and then we'll come back to the preacher, and then we'll switch over to our to our, our main program, and then we'll switch it back to the preacher. I know what we'll do. Let's quit switching back and forth. We'll record him and watch him some other time. Jesus is the head of the body, which is the local church. He is the foundation of the local church. The apostle Paul spent his entire life establishing local churches, New Testament churches. The local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Every biblical preacher, every evangelist. Now listen to me carefully. I'm going to annoy some of you now. 
every missionary, every ministry, every Christian work has always been established through a visible local church. You know what prayer church, you know anybody here, you know what prayer church really is? Doing something great for God, but they're not attached to any church. They're not under anybody's authority. They already know what they're doing. You know why a lot of them do that? Because a local church will not go along with what they're doing. So who do you give your money to? Who's their pastor? We have a work here. God placed you here. And yet some of you in this room support people that they will tell you, oh, no, we're, we're, we don't, we're not necessarily connected with the church. We help all churches. No, 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 no. That's just one thing. No, that is wrong against the Bible. My hand cannot do what it wants unless it's attached to a body. Paul taught that in 1 Corinthians, that we all are a part of a body. Listen to me carefully. There's no such thing as a universal, worldwide, invisible, or visible church or body of Christ. TBN is wrong. Most of the most of the speakers on, what's that, what's that radio station? Uh, what's 880 something? Huh? Is that what it is? Yeah, 880. I love the singing on the I'm concerned they belong right under the river. You know why you like that? It's so close to hillbilly singing and rock and roll. It's very familiar to you. And that's why you attach yourself to it. Understand, TBN is wrong when they say we all belong to the same church. No, Catholics, United Methodists, Church of God, Pentecostals, Lutherans do not make up the Church of Christ. Neither do all Baptists. All Baptists do not make up the Church of Christ. The local, look, folks. Why did God, I'm not, uh, what's his name? T.D. Jakes is not America's pastor. I'm not America's pastor. I happen to be your pastor. By the way, most people will call me preacher or allow me to preach to them. They just won't let me pastor them. Ooh, stab me in the heart. Because when I go, okay, I'm not sure I do it. Well, preacher, we're going to anyway. So basically, I'm, I'm your preacher, but I'm not your pastor. did that this morning. Is this on? Am I on? I'm not on. Oh, my soul. Take it on the road. There we go. Now. Start. Okay, let's go. First Kings chapter 21. God, oh, look at me. God placed a pastor over a local church. I am not the shepherd of all churches in the world. So why did God ask me to be the pastor? If I'm not the shepherd of the invisible church, God said, no, you're the pastor of Anchor Baptist Church. I allowed these people to come here, and I sent them here because they needed you, preacher, and so God gave you to me. There, believers, baptized believers need a shepherd. They need a bishop. They need an elder. They need an overseer as one that must give account for their souls. I'd like to see the worldwide preacher that does that. I have an idea. Next time you get sick, need marriage counseling, called TBN. I have an idea. Next time you get sick or need help, drive down and see John Hagman. Oh, there you go. Who, who's, the, who's the woman preacher evangelist? Joyce, my, I knew you'd know. 
Oh, yeah. No, too late. Too late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You men love to hear that woman preach. Woo! Can that woman, woo! Can that woman, woo! Can that woman preach? Oh, she puts out a new book about every month. I love that woman. Woo! You men listening to a woman tell you what the Word of God said. Am I on? Am I listening to me? God has chosen a man to watch over his flock. I don't know how to break the news to Joyce Meyer. Well, she kind of, never mind, I better not say that. That's a one husky looking woman, though, you got to admit. Why is it people who believe this type of non-biblical, it's not, it's not biblical. When all of a sudden things don't go your way in your marriage, in your finances, with your children, why do you call a local preacher? Won't you call your invisible pastor? Where you send your invisible tithe? Where you call them up and they have a prayer hotline. Atheists have a prayer hotline. Yeah, they do. You call them up, nobody answers. So there we go. Now, you can do what you want. I don't skip church. I don't skip church. This is why when people are like, preacher, you feeling okay? No, I'm fine. You have a culture. You stay home. Don't even talk to me like that. Don't even talk to me like I know where God wants me, and I'm going to be there. And by the way, when you get sick, why didn't you skip school? Uh, school. Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> Some of you need to go back to school. Why don't you skip work? It's not God's fault that you give all of your effort and energy to the world and then can't show up for church. Preacher, you talking to me? Yes, I am. I will not trade to be a woman told me one time when she came here, she said, you know, you're not a real church. I said, ma'am. She goes, I've already checked. You're not a part of the Ohio Council of Churches. I didn't bat an eye. I said, never will be. But she also said, I'm not a real church because in the storefront, we didn't have a, a cross on top and we didn't have stained glass windows. I missed that part in the Bible. Can anybody show me where that's at? I didn't know that's what made you a legitimate church. Stained glass windows. Oh, my. Why don't we just get glasses and, and make those like purple or something? When I was still in college, some of our good, they're not around anymore. God took them somewhere. Pastors in the area told me it'd be best I did not come back. When I finally did, one guy sent me a map. I never thought I'd hear that. I heard Brother Howell say this one time, and I thought, oh, come on, he's kidding. They sent me a map, drew a circle around Ohio, and said, which portion are you claiming for you? If I had the nerve that I have today, I would have wrote anchor all across it. I will not. I will not compromise. I'm not Joel Osteen. Has he, I hate to be judgmental, has he ever looked at his hair? Has he ever turned sideways and saw that bush sticking out back here? Seriously. You say, you're jealous. Okay, that might be true. Thank you. 
What? Everybody behind you is kind of blinded too. There we go. So there we go. The worldwide invisible, we're all a part. One day we will be. Right now we're not. We will be one body one day. We will be one bride one day. We will be one church one day. But now it's not that day. And so that's what we have to do. So the King James Bible, I will not give that up. Number two, I will not give up my local church. Number three, I will not give up my separation and my standards. Now, my standards may not be all you think they are, but I have them. And they don't change. And it's hard. As you get older, you want to change. You want to be more like a grandpa than a dad or an older brother. If you're an older brother, I can tell you what my older brother did. He'd kick the snot out of you. In the name of Jesus, he'd do it. As you get older, you just want everybody to get along. And that's what's wrong a lot of times with older preachers. We start using more reasoning than the fire God put in us when we first got saved. Under the guise that I'm wiser now. Well, I hope you would be after 50 years. You say, hey, preacher, ease up on all of the yelling. You're going to run them off. sounds to me like Tobiah and his little sidekick saying, come down from off the walls. Let's go to the plain of Oh No. You ever wonder how God does that? Hey, come down and let's talk and let's go to the valley of Oh No. That was the name of the valley. Seriously. It's like Achan, right? Bathsheba. Anybody? Talk to me. You know what I'm talking about? Let's come down to the valley. And that's where your friends and family want to take you. To the valley of oh no. They weren't, they weren't going down there saying, oh no, we may not make it. They said, no, you come down, you ain't going to make it. Do you understand? This is what that's all about. Preaching like that, you say you'll burn up in a few years. I know it's just a little over 50. I'm starting to feel the fire down right now. What is wrong with us? Just because you get tired of being told what the Bible says doesn't mean I'm supposed to change. You're changing. You used to be on your feet by now and shouting. But you see, we're a lot wiser than we used to be. Don't mistake dead for maturity. You can know your Bible and have a lot of emotion. You don't have to trade one for the other. Preaching like that, you're going to burn out. Separation, standards you got to compromise, preacher, to build a church. First of all, I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to build people. That's the problem with preachers today. They have to compromise because they're trying to build their numbers. I'm not trying to build. That's not my problem. That's God's problem. God said, and I will add unto the church daily such as should be saved. My job is the people that come here is to tell them what the Bible says, teach them the Bible, show them how to live for God, and turn them loose on the world. My job is not to build a church. He even told Peter, thou art Peter. Upon this rock, he was talking about, I will build my, I'll do that, Peter. You just do what I called you to do. I'll build the church. You go do what I told you to do. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. So we have to understand all of this. Perhaps if they were my standards, I could change them. Perhaps if it was something I made up, maybe it'd be worth taking a look at. But these are not my standards. These are not my conviction. These are the things I believe God wants me to do at this. Folks, look, there's not another person in here to answer this church other than me. You have to answer, sir, sir, look at me. You have to answer to God for your family. 
Everybody that's living in that house, you have to answer for. I have to do that too with my family. And then all of you. If I have to answer for your life, then I should be able to tell you what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. I'll not give up my vineyard. My standards, my lines of separation, if they were my, I would do that. But they belong to God. He gave them to me. I got it out of this book, the King James Bible. I'm not going to change that. What gives Christians his individuality is just something about it. What gives him his individuality, even in Baptist circles, is his separation. I don't use it as a club, go around beating people. I just do that to you. But I don't do that to other people. But we're better Christians than you are. I've never said that to anybody. I'm better than you are because I go to a Baptist church. I've never said, have you ever? Don't you say that to anybody. That's not true. You take away standards of separation. There's no longer any difference. Stop thinking about it. Carry a Bible if you want to or not. If there are no standards, there would be no difference between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. There'd be no difference between Jews and Philistines. There'd be no difference between the prophets of God and the prophets of Baal. There'd be no difference between light and dark. You take away that standard and it's just a gray. The holy and the unholy. The sinner and the child of God. The worldly Christian and the holy Christian. That's what we're coming to. Everything is just a mesh of gray. There's no distinction. No separation. Sometimes we mistake compromise for tolerance, charity, wisdom, or understanding. And we put up with what we should put out. We have been told so much that no matter what anybody does, you're welcome at our church. Listen very carefully. That's not true. You want to act like the world, behave like the world, you cannot say that. Now, you want to be saved. I don't care where you live. Don't care where you're at. Don't care what you did. Jesus died for the whole world. But we have turned that thing around to you can live the way you want to. We're still, this is where homosexuality, homosexuals have backed us into a corner. You're supposed to be a Christian and love everybody. I do love everybody. I don't love everything. I'm not, I'm not calling them a thing. I'm talking about what they do. Understand? Who told you you had to do that? So you accept what? Anything that goes on? I will accept anybody. Jesus will accept anybody, so I'll do what he did. If you want to repent of your sin and get right with God, I'm all for you. You want to continue in your abomination and say, I am a Christian. I got a problem. So what happens here is this. The Lord said he will spew the lukewarm person out. Of, God despises mixtures. You go to Deuteronomy, and you can also go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, and you can find out here in both of those. What that's all about is not about women and pants. Or, or, or the, it, what it's about is a difference. God wants a difference between things, everything after its own kind. And, sir, you're not a woman. And, ma'am, quit acting like a man. You're not a man. Be feminine. Be ladylike. You know why you don't do that? Because the world has told you men are getting over like that. Bless your heart, it's really helping your face. All you got to do now is go to the gym, work out, and start shaving your face. Well, sir, you're shaving your legs now, aren't you? I saw what the men did. Well, I 
told you before, if I had a son that talked like this, I promise you, I would send him to Marine boot camp for, for five years. Time he gets out, he'd be talking like that. And then you look at somebody like me and blame me for misjudging that you're a man or a woman. I was pumping gas one time. I was working two and a half jobs one time when we first got married. And this is way back in the day, way, way back in the day. And uh, right down here on, on uh, I think it was Broad Street, there was a, a Clark station down there. And I was pumping gas. And, uh, yes, ma'am, can I help you? You know where this is going, right? And so somebody pulled up, and I said, yes, ma'am. Can I? And as soon as they talked, I thought, oh, he's really so the next time I went back and I said, uh, sir, is there anything else I can do? And then I looked and I thought, oh, I think I just made another mistake. <laughs> what you would think is, that's kind of rude of you to do that. It's not my mistake that you have complicated everything. You're welcome. You have long, flowing, blonde hair, and I call you, hey, miss. Hey, thank you, darling. It's not my fault. See, they, we, we got all these professional athletes with long flowing. See, you know, if I was tackling you, I'd grab you by your stinking hair. Right? Is that a part of the uniform or no? Can anybody help? Can I have a witness? Is that a part of the uniform? You'd have hair going both sides, and all of a sudden in the middle be missing. But we as Christians, well, uh, I know somebody, and they got long hair, and they claim to be a Christian. Somebody asked the other day about women prophets, and they referenced Deborah. Oh, that got quiet, didn't it? Yeah, preacher, what about that? Do you know not everything in the Bible is an example for us to follow? There was not a man that day would stand, so she did. That didn't make it right. She just stood. By the way, ma'am, if your husband won't, you're supposed to. You don't take leadership, but you need to take your stand and help that family. I don't care about what most fundamental Baptist churches do. I really don't. I, that, that sounds bad, but I don't. They're changing so fast. And God didn't make me their pastor. God made me your pastor. I'm still going to preach against it. It just doesn't make any difference to me what other churches allow or don't allow. It's a filthy sin. Homosexuality is a filthy, abominable sin. And it's not a sickness. You did not inherit genes that made you a queer. actually bought into that like God made a mistake like today that little boy has made a mistake and he thinks he's no you mean God did that why would God do that why would God send a child through all of those changes then God so we're taking away God's authority and God's perfection because he had to have messed up adultery I'm gonna preach against it Look at me. You are not supposed to be sleeping around with anybody you want to, trying to figure out who would make a good mate for you. Lying is still a sin. White lies, black lies, gray lies, deceitfulness, all of it is wrong. You're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. Stealing is still wrong. You won't be, Yeah, but I was... By the way, all these riots, why don't they go burn down their own house? And what does stealing a stereo or TV got to do with justice? I got three pairs of high-class tennis shoes. Why? And why do you always burn down and, and, and destroy your own neighborhood? Go to the rich neighborhood. 
What is wrong with us? Social drinking, gambling. Boy, they're pushing that for all it's worth right now, aren't they? Everywhere you look now, gamble. We promise you this. And right at the bottom says, if you have a gambling habit, please call. Have you ever understood why we allow bars to open up everywhere and then by the same government tax money that comes from you, then they open up these places for people that are drunkards that can't get over it? You, you, don't, you don't have a disease. You're a drunkard. My dad was a drunkard. By biblical definition, don't look at me like that. By biblical definition, that's what my dad was. That's what I was becoming. I didn't have a disease of drugs. I was a drug addict. You don't have a disease. You have a you have a sinful problem. That's what you've got. If you're a homosexual, that is not your nature. That's against nature itself. It's about time somebody got us riled up again. Don't you think so? We all come to church and we yawn and keep looking at the clock. And, oh, love that preacher. What a nice guy he turned out to be. Didn't help you a bit. All of these things. Long hair on men. Look, 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 look at these guys. Look at one, two, three, four, five, six. Six young men. A couple of girls over here. I, I asked David. David always sits over here. I said, why don't you sit over here? They kick you out? He said, no. These guys came. Way to go, fellas. All these young men. Ties, bow ties, jackets, sweaters, hairs. That's cool, man. I love that kind of stuff. You see a little girl, a little guy. He's got. I was looking at Abigail's uh, youngest boy, uh, Jordan's too, and uh, saw him this morning. He had he had on a dress. He had on a, a jacket. I, I don't mean a winter jacket. I'm talking about a dress jacket. He had on a tie. How, how old is he? One years old. My wife used to walk into church with our kids' hair all slicked over. You know, it, it's all dressed up best we could get him had on their shoes, threatened them within an inch of their life. You get mud on those shoes, you're going to die. You're going to go to heaven tonight. You understand that? <laughs> it's the cutest thing. Now, all of a sudden, we think it's cute for them to show up in shorts, no, no tie, no nothing. Why? Why? Because the rest of the world doesn't do it, so we've just decided to change like that. You listen to me. All this kind of stuff, all these other beliefs, I am not going to go for it. Listen to me carefully. It'll be, they'll be making popsicles where the booger man's gone before. I'm going to change what we do right here. If you're waiting for us to have contemporary anything, don't hold your breath because you're going to die. Let other churches, let other youth groups wear their shorts and their earrings and get all their tattoos and, and have their swimming parties and loud dating and shaggy hair and pants pulled down below their underwear. Don't you ever try that in here. when I see old pictures like I can't believe they did that I can't believe they used to dress that way and act that way skirts I mean there wasn't enough material for a gnat to wrap around himself I mean it was just it was bad and everybody said act like it was no big deal Christians act like it was no you know why because moms and dads 
and the preacher backed right down because he was worried about the number of people that he had. Well, you got to hang on to your teenagers and your young people. I keep trying to run you off. You just keep showing up. You're glad for punishment. All of these things, midriff skirts and contemporary music. And t- I, I'm sorry, I don't understand what preachers are thinking of. Teen night to run the church? We think this is practice. This is not practice. We don't, this is no time to practice on the piano. It's no time to practice singing. It's no time to practice preaching. It's no time for teenagers to, teenagers? Teenage, don't you ever bring that up to me. Teenagers running the church service? I'd rather shoot myself. Have you seen these guys? Teenagers running God's service? Are you kidding me? We have convictions and standards around here, and I believe they're pleasing to God, and I'm not about ready to change them. Time fails me. And uh, old-fashioned preaching. I have more respect for what we used to call a hack preacher than most radio and TV preachers I see today. They all sound like they went to the same voice school. You ever notice that? You change channels and go, wait a minute, I was just there. You change it. Is that the same guy? They put him on another channel now. I, I don't get it. He said, oh, they're great Bible teachers. You know what you need? You need preaching. The Bible says in the last days men shall heed to themselves having itching ear wanting what? What do they want? Teachers. Teachers. Not preachers. One man said, you need somebody to look at you in your God-given eyeball and tell you how that cow really ate that cabbage. And you're thinking the whole time, first time I heard preaching like that, I wasn't saved, and I heard this young guy, he was probably in his middle, late 20s, you know who I'm talking about, and uh, he's, I mean, he's screaming and yelling, you guys are very professional, but let me tell you a story that happened in history five million years ago, before even God, it's called prehistory, and uh, I want to tell you all about it, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, really cool story, when you want to preach, The world doesn't need more teaching. It needs preaching. Preaching convicts the heart and demands a decision to be made. When are we going to quit changing? The world is conforming us. The whole time it says, you need to be yourself. When you try to be yourself for God, they want you to conform and change or they belittle you. This thing about proper order in the home. I'm not changing my mind about that. Man, you're not supposed to be running the house. Period. I don't care if you're smarter than him. I don't know if you know more about finance. I don't care if you went farther in school. You are not the head of the house. God said so. God said so. Now, let's just talk about you guys for a minute. God has a lot to say about you too, you weenie. It's about time you grew up and started to act like a man instead of a child. Something goes wrong and you pout around the house hoping she'll put your head on her shoulder and pat you like mommy used to do. Honey, like Jezebel, what they have. Honey, why are you in your room pouting? Oh, mommy, take care of it for you. Mommy, it's his wife. How'd you like to be married to her? Good grief. Are you the king or aren't you? That's what she said. Are you the king? Okay, never mind. I'll take care of it for you. I'll make you look good. Well, she didn't. She made him look horrible. Anytime a woman outsteps her bounds to try to help her husband, do you know there's a God in heaven that can help you if you stay out of the way? The problem is you're not willing to go down with him 
So you rebel and step out of your place because he's not in his place, and you think God will bless you for that. He won't. Y'all listen to me. One of these days you're going to find some blind guy, and you won't get married. You rethinking things every few years? You feel the pressure bit out of place around your other Christian people you know? You say, preacher, I don't want to set them straight. Then quit agreeing with them. At the very least, quit agreeing with them. Did you hear the, the latest contemporary whatever on the radio? You want to say, no, I don't listen to that. No, I, I'm not saying I always do. Now you're back in. Why are you making excuses for the things you think's okay? I don't make excuses for the things I think is okay. It's either okay or it's not okay, okay? Most others you know don't believe this way or don't do these things. Quit changing your life. Thinking about compromising, is that what we're doing? What's been handed down to you and entrusted to you, we're thinking about changing because it kind of bothers us. It doesn't fit into society. Folks, it's never going to fit in society. It was never meant to fit in society. It's not going to do you a bit, and they're not going to believe you. The more you give in, the less they believe you have what they need. Oh, we've tried desperately. Oh, we've tried desperately getting people like, well, you know, they don't like that. So, you know, if we step over here a little bit, what's it going to do? Now we're clear over here. And by the way, they never change anyway. When we got out of storefronts, churches overall, when we quit being the fundamental battle, what's that mean? To the, we had the largest churches in America. It ruined us. Now what the charismatic says, how can we be wrong? Look at our buildings and the number of people we have. Fundamental Baptists used to do that. And it killed us. We started thinking we're somebody. Now what do we say? We don't have the crowds we used to have. What do we say now? We're doing wrong or we're doing right? Never was about the crowd. Judas thought it was. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Continue. Don't change. Keep going. And has been assured of and, and know whom thou hast learned them. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask. For the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein. For therein is the good way. God said, look, find out where it's at. I, I, let me help you. Let me give you a head start right there. The reason you don't stand for this because you don't know it. You've got to get to know God, and the only way you get to know God, this is God's book. Amen. Get in God's book, know about God, take your stand for God, and let the world, the world's going to do what it wants to do. If the world wants to follow us, come with us, we'll do you good. But we want to compromise to get them to do that. That's never the answer. It's not going to be the answer. Naboth died because he would not compromise. He couldn't. It wasn't his land. Your salvation is not yours. Your assurance is not yours. This King James Bible is not yours. This church is not ours. This is the church of Christ of the living God. This is his church. You have no right to have some rock and roll band up on top of here. I bet it really throws people that we got my, my, my uh, uh, choir director down. I don't know if you noticed this. He doesn't know this yet, but he's a black guy. Sorry, Jordan, I had to tell him. Now, this is not a black guy. This is a Dominican. Well, no, he straightened me out on that the other day. He said, Preacher, we're really not considered to be black. Okay. He said, we're do Isn't that what you told me? He said, we're Dominican. You fell for that, didn't you? I mean, I'm really not black. I'm Dominican. You go, oh, okay. 
<laughs> I wonder what people, and our, our pianist. Go figure. What do what people think when they come in here? Had a lady one time ask me, what color is our church? I said, it's kind of a cream color, and this part over here has got a little yellow hue on the outside. She said, no, I mean, what color of people do you have in there? I've had black people call me up and say, is that an all-white church? Look at us. What a stupid question. What color is your, what do you mean what color is my church? It's kind of a cream color. It has brown coins on the coin. What are you talking about? Unbelievable. We have people from almost every nation in the world anymore. I don't know how it happened. Libya, Liberia, where are you from? Liberia? Man, oh man, I keep thinking, what in the world is going on here? Who told you about our church? I don't know. She showed up here. Folks, listen to me. We are following what the world has been teaching us. We're not even aware of it. We tend to ask and think the same way they think, and that's not Bible at all. Jesus said, everybody, come on to me. You want to be saved? I'm the only door. You want to go to church? You have a local church. You have a local preacher. You have something that I set up. You cannot change it because the rest of the world does not like it. Socks is here. Socks, where's your shoes? Higher. Thank you. That helps. Uh, Socks is uh, Asian. No, actually, she's American. We got that all straightened out when we came in here. She was serious when she first has a public school system taught her. I said, ma'am, can I ask you when she first started coming here? She was only 18, 17, 18 years old. You don't remember? It's been so long. You're so old now. And uh, I said, what's your background? Say, I'm Vietnamese, Chinese, Cambodian, Thai. She had all kinds of countries mixed in there. And I said, what? You're what? And I'm thinking, how many moms and dads do you have? And she was real serious about it. I said, where were you born? She said, America. I said, you're American. I, I thought she couldn't catch her breath. She kept looking at me. Well, our choir comes down through here. It used to when she first came through. It still does now. And when they come through, I talk to people. I poke fun at them. I do that on purpose because we take ourselves way too serious. You, you, know, you, you know who taught us to do that? The ungodly world did that. So she come down. I said, hey, Asian. She just kind of stood up. she did? You know, she's very animated. She goes, preacher, I'm sorry. I said, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. We think way too much of ourselves. The world has taught you that. Why they say, why can't we all get along? They keep forcing divisions everywhere they go. Christian, listen to me. God is not for that. God wants Christians to be around Christians. That's the way God designed it. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what country you come from. Are you a born-again Christian? Then you're supposed to be in a local church serving God. The hardest people get along with are white hillbillies. Good grief. Everybody knows that. I don't need to tell you about that. My wife's a white hillbilly. I have to tell her that because it gets me cautious. She bragged about it now. I never thought I'd hear a hillbilly. 
do it. Those people are not nice. But she is. What are you? If you're saved, you're a Christian. You understand that? You are a born again. You are a child of God. And this book is not yours to do what you want. That belongs to God. This church is not your church. God placed you here. This is his church. This is the pillar and ground of the truth is the local church. The separation values and things that we have here, I didn't make these up. I got these principles and these truths from God's word. I don't have any right to it. It was that word that was preached the night I got saved. It's this word right here that my brother gave me this book and said, if you're ever going to get to know God, you got to get to know that book right there. I believed him. And sure enough, every great revival that you can, true revival, ever took place because the King James Bible and a spirit-filled preacher. Folks, we are in danger. This world wants to change us and conform us to what they want, and they will have no influence whatsoever. How do they do that? They belittle us. They embarrass us. They shame us for being separated Christians. I just don't feel that way. I was thinking the other day when I was out in the world, what made me so adamant about what I believe? You ready for this? By being challenged by lost people in the world about my Christianity. Get in your Bible and find the answers. Learn how to talk to them. Well, can God make a boulder so big he can't pick it up? If God can do anything, can he do that? You know, the Bible says not to entertain a fool. Right? You got, you got to learn this stuff. You just do. A guy told me one time, did God create everything natural? I said, yeah. He said, so it's okay to, to smoke marijuana. Okay, what would you say? I don't know. Okay, you got to figure it out because they're going to ask you these stupid questions. Where did Cain get his wife back then? Ooh, that's a good one right there. Now, for those of you that grew up in West Virginia, he married his sister. I wouldn't suggest that today. Multiple marriages. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. I don't suggest that. See, Mormon or not, I, I would not, I would not ask you to do that. It's against the Bible. Quit doing what you think is right. Let's just stand on the word. The things that have been handed down to us. Singing the hymn song. I had a lady ask me one time, said, "I just want to go someplace where they still sing the old hymn song." I said, "Ma'am, that's us. That's what we do. But it's not very entertaining. You know, I, I like, I like. I've had people actually walk away from it, said they liked the whole service, but the music didn't move them." Music's not supposed to move you. Preaching does that. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to use you. God wants to use me. Compromise has never been the answer, never will be the answer. God has given you something. Let's call it a vineyard. There's plants in there. It belongs to God. God's the one that increased that. We need to quit compromising. We don't have to go out and attack anybody. That would be violent. Just quit changing every time you turn around as though that will help. It has never helped, and it's not going to help. Now listen to me. I'm your pastor. I'm not going to change. Just because I don't have the yelling power I used to have doesn't mean I'm not changing. I can. I have the
Genesis because of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's stand in the middle of our two paths and say, we ain't getting this stuff. You see these little guys over there? You see these young ladies over there? You see these weird just going to have to absorb it and maybe even die for it and finally take a stand and say I'm going to do what I want to do that's what it's not mine most of the time let's pray Father thank you so much for our